You're tuned into the Chug LLP's podcast. We are a full-service legal, immigration, and tax firm with a global outlook. We partner with businesses to deliver innovative, customized solutions to their most pressing challenges. Join us as we tackle some pertinent issues. Welcome to Thursdays with Chug. My name is Neha Mahajan and I'm the Business Development and Outreach Manager at Chug LLP Attorneys and CPA. Welcome. You know, the world of immigration is always changing, especially in the United States of America. It has been changing rapidly over the last uh, couple of years at the very least. So today on the show, we're going to talk about one of the not so breaking news, but this is a this is a welcome news for L2 and H4 visa holders. What is that news? I'm going to tell you in just a bit. We will be talking about OCI and renunciation. Now, you might be familiar with, with these words, but uh, what does it actually mean? What do you have to do for an um, you know OCI? What is renunciation? Do you have to carry your renunciation card? And there's going to be just so much that we're going to be talking about all of this. This is live from our you know Edison uh, office. My name is Neha Mahajan and I'm joined by uh, Zoe Mirza, who's an immigration lead um, with our Atlanta office. And she's been with our firm for 12 long years. And I'm also joined by Balbeen Kaur from our Cerritos uh, office, our LA office, which is our headquarters. And Balbeen is also an immigration lead. She's been with the firm for 10 long years. Welcome ladies. So, you know, L2 and H4 visa holders were in for a treat this week. You know why? Because there was a court case, there was a lawsuit, and the lawsuit was won in the favor of L2 and H4 visa holders. There's a there's a settlement that has changed the way L2 visa holders and H4 visa holders can work or apply for um, or, or renew their work authorization. Balveen, I'm going to start with you on that. You know, this is a welcome news within the L2 and H4 community, of course. What do you what do you see? You know, USCIS came up with guidelines. What are those guidelines? What is this news? Why don't you tell me more about it? So um, quickly, Neha, thank you. This is uh, only information purposes. Uh, it's not a legal device. Um, but um, Neha, what happened is uh, the LH4 who have an employment authorization based on the I-140 approved of the H-1B guys can get their EADs, the employment authorization renewed, automatic renewal. So, so that they don't have to wait for you know, 12 to 13 uh, months before um, the, the EAD can be renewed. Um, you know, the processing times are so bad, that's, that's why uh, you know, people leave, uh, lose their jobs and everything. So, and of course the L2s, they don't even have to file EADs anymore. So they'll, they will be authorized to work as long as they have a valid L2 approvals. And of course, the L2 is based on the L1 approvals. They're both dependent visas. So that, what that means is that both H1B and the L1 guys have to have their statuses, uh, valid statuses for their spouses to work on H4 based on I-140 approved. And then um, L2, that's uh, they get an, the automatic uh, EAD. Yeah. yeah. So, but for this, H four visa holders must have their I ninety four approved, right? Their visas must be renewed 
before the automatic extension can work for the EAD, right? That is correct, yes. And then the automatic renewal will only happen if the I-94, the approval, is valid for at least 180 days for the H-4 guys. Yeah, yeah that, is yeah. that is correct. Which we all know where it's going. Like USCIS has been taking, as you mentioned, 12 to 14 months, in some cases, almost 17 months to renew these visas. So I don't know how this uh, new settlement and new guidelines are actually helping it for visa holders, but congratulations. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think it's a very good um, step. I, I think it's going to help a lot because sort of um, EAD's employment authorizations are like in our, in layman terms, we call it as green cards because you don't need there's no prevailing wages, there's no minimum requirements. So it's like the spouses are free to work wherever they want. And then if they get an automatic renewal, um, I think that's awesome. That's very good. It is definitely welcome news. Thank you, Balveen. You know, as of 2020, there are 6 million OCI holders worldwide. And guess what? 44% of um, OCI holders are actually, you know, or, or actually they renounced their Indian citizenship. So they, were, they are of Indian origin. And uh, West 33% are from Australia and Canada, those people who've moved into Australia and Canada. You know, it's a very hard choice for people like us who left our birth country to be in different countries uh, to kind of renounce the Indian citizenship and apply for an OCI and renunciation. But what is OCI? How does one apply for it? That's something that we're going to delve into today um, with Balveen for, from our uh, Seritos office, LA office, and Zoe Mirza. Uh, we'll talk about renunciation from our Atlanta office. Uh, so Balveen, just so that the audience has a clear idea, what exactly is OCI? So um, that's a jump, Nehas, uh, from L, uh, H4L2 that we are on uh, uh, US citizens getting OCI. So that's fun. Uh, but OCI's Overseas Citizenship of India is form of a permanent residency to the Indian origin people. Indian origin people, their spouses and kids. So OCI is, um, you know, you don't require a special, uh, uh, you know, form or anything to study or work in India. It's, a, it's, it's called layman terms, again, a lifelong visa. You don't have to renew visas. You don't have to renew OCI. You can stay there indefinitely. Um, the best part is you don't have to actually go to the police authorities after 180 days to get update your, that you're still here. You know, so that's one of the, the, the benefits of OCI. And then it's it's like, um, it's not a citizenship. Um, of course, uh, people get confused with like, oh, so OCI Overseas Citizenship of India, that means that we can, you're, we are citizens of India, or it's a dual citizenship. That is not correct. India does not give dual citizenship. It's, it's, a, it's a lifelong visa or form of a permanent residency uh, for origin people, their spouses and kids. It does not, uh, it's not for parents. Um, could be foreign spouses as well. So that's a good news. Um, you don't really have to be born in India to get OCI. Um, you know, so that's what OCI is. And um, of course, uh, the OCI is, um, you know, people will be like, okay, can we buy agricultural land? The only two things you cannot do when you have an OCI is vote, obviously, because it's not a yeah. citizen. It's, it's a yeah. it's a permanent residency kind of a thing. Uh, green card holders in US don't vote. So same way, consider as a green card in India um, yeah. and 
you cannot vote and of course you cannot buy agricultural land that's yeah. it and rest you can do you know you're like an indian citizen over there staying yeah okay yeah okay just you don't have say in indian politics that's that's what it is actually you uh, you know answered my second question you know because um but i i, I really want to go into a little detail about you know the confusion part of it so many people are just so confused about how to even apply for an oci you know the, the vfs website sadly is very confusing people have uh, a lot of questions about it and just for the audience sake i would like to mention that we are live right now so if you have any questions for us you know just send it to us in the comment section you're watching us on facebook youtube and linkedin send us your questions and if you are watching us uh, a recorded version of this um, discussion today our email is info@chuk.com you could send us your questions and we'd be more than happy to assist you so balveen coming back to the question that i was asking you about oci and the confusion that people have what are some of the common questions that people come and ask you sure um i know it's um it's confusion that that is the only maybe i can call it oci has a last name called tough and confusion um because earlier uh, the renunciation or the oci wasn't um like a requirement today also it's not a requirement however um how the indian government is changing towards um this is what we uh we anticipate that in next 5 years every indian origin person would have an oci it's like a, a identity and it's like uh, especially during covid they were allowed to travel there were no you know uh the travel ban was only for say 2 months and then they started with the ocis to travel so that was big and um, you know uh, our our parents are in india or our families are in india yes. and then emergencies if there is no travel ban on the oci holders it's it's huge so that's why uh people actually want oci at this point um you know um so why they get confused is because uh, the indian consulate has um an outsourced company um you know who and then they keep changing it so i worked with uh, over five companies myself um you know there was trust visa there was bls there was um ckgs and now it's vfs right now so uh, the, the 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 documents are you know almost the same the documents that they require are almost the same however the process changes and then yeah. the process um you know when it changes uh, there is no reference to go back to because the company once the outsourced company switches to the next one the previous one's gone like completely gone but the good news is that this time when they switched to vfs they had ckgs for a long time like they they had like okay your applications are pending with ckgs so this this year was a very good transition i i was so glad that this is how it should be and with efs um you know they're really good too they're they're you know their processes are very um easy to follow they have the document checklist that's very clear um and then um so to answer your question um you know there are two things to keep in mind first is the online application that needs to be completed on the indian website indian government website and then that website needs to be linked to the vfs account so uh, that is where the confusion arises and sometimes the document checklist say um copy of the uh, a us passport the document checklist will say self assessed attested and then yeah. 
Self-attested is just like signing, you know, and then sometimes it's going to return as the, the application will be returned saying it's not notarized. So be very careful with, uh, read the document checklist really carefully. And then whatever they're asking, we have to submit it. I have not seen a single case that got approved or went through um, if we missed a document. Yeah. We cannot okay. miss a document basically. Yeah. 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 Um, and then uh, major documents are uh, that you should be a citizen of a, a different country, right? You have to be, um, it's for uh, people who are citizens of other than India, you know? Okay. Um, and um, that's the copy of uh, the passport, the naturalization, copy of the birth certificate, Indian passport, uh, proof of residence. Um, and uh, then of course there is uh, birth certificates I said. For minor, I want to add, there's a recent change. There, every international document, they require to be apostille. What that means is every birth certificate, every child who's born in US, their birth certificate needs to be apostille. And that can take at least three weeks. And then the oh. marriage certificate, yeah, yeah. And the marriage certificate, if it's issued in US or anywhere outside India, needs to be apostille as well. So that's a layer that VFS has created, um, you know, so which is good too, at least they're mentioned on the, you know, on the yeah. document. And then of course there's filing fees um, that uh, needs to be paid to VFS. And then there's a uh, passport size pictures that needs to be sent. And um, every, um, I'm, I'm, I'm mixing a little adult, uh, minor, yeah. And, and foreign spouse uh, document checklist because I know we have less time and we still have to talk about renunciation. Yes. But so with minors, what happens is most of the documents have to be notarized with by both parents. That are the, the like that is one of the biggest difference. And most of their documents will be required to be apostle. That because okay. they, all their documents will be issued outside India, right? And then okay. foreign spouses uh, also who are not of Indian origin and they're getting OCI based on their Indian origin spouses uh, will, will also have a lot of uh, notarized documents. Um, one of the things um, that's really, um, I would not say funny, but it's good to know is that if there's a divorce and then the OCI was issued to a foreign national, uh, or who's not an Indian origin, who was issued an OCI based on the Indian origin spouse, they will have to surrender the OCI. Ah, uh, okay, that's interesting. So, yeah, that's something, uh, you know, and then uh, recently we've seen their interviews. Before they issue OCI to the foreign national, the, C the, the Indian consulate is actually doing an interview. Oh, so that's not for, that's not for uh, those who were born in India. Those are, these are for foreign nationals who are applying for OCI, right? That is correct. Uh, foreign nationals, spouses. Ah, oh, okay, got it. Okay. Spouses, yes. There is no, there, the one is Indian origin. There yeah. is a foreign national uh, spouse based okay. on which they're getting their OCI. So See, I'm getting confused already. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much information. Sorry, Neha, I don't know how to, um, uh, how to put it in line. <laughs> Listen, thank goodness you're around, right? Thank God we're doing this today because I'm sure there, there would be so many questions people wouldn't have. And if you have any questions, you know, comment section, people, just comment there, ask us your questions or send your questions to info at Now, Balveen, one important yes. thing that I feel is 
you know, without the renunciation certificate, one cannot apply for OCI. That's the first step, really, isn't it? That is correct. You are correct. Um, earlier, what happened, um, the when CKGS would do renunciation and OCI together, like a concurrent yeah. filing, but now VFS does not do that. So the first, very first step you have to do is surrender your Indian, Indian citizenship. That's called renunciation. So OCI can only be done once you have that certificate. That's okay, correct. and to talk in detail about renunciation, we have Zoe Mirza from our Atlanta office. She is an immigration lead. Hi there, Zoe. I know you've been patiently waiting for me to ask questions. <laughs> Hi, Neha. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, so Zoe, you know, tell us about renunciation. Tell us what does renunciation mean um, in, in brief and uh, who does it apply to? So um, renunciation, or you can also, people also call it like a surrender certificate uh, that is mostly issued to applicants who want to surrender their passport as soon as they've um, acquired um, a foreign nationality. And um, under the Indian Citizenship Act, which was 1955, any person of origin, um, um, Indian origin is not allowed a dual citizenship as um, Berlin also mentioned um, that people think that um, OCI and um, if you've done your renunciation, it's a dual citizenship, but unfortunately it's, it's, it's not. And then as soon as you've acquired the foreign nationality, it is um, advisable to surrender your um, Indian nationality. So surrender of your uh, renunciation um, applies only to applicants who are of uh, Indian origin. Okay. Now, what if someone who has an, uh, you know, an Indian passport but has a cancelled stamp, uh, will this also work as renunciation or do they really need to have a certificate? So it goes like if you have a, a stamp which says cancelled due to acquiring foreign nationality, that is required on, on the passport. Um, if the passport just says, uh, it has a stamp which just says uh, cancelled stamp, that is not considered as a renounced of uh, Indian citizenship. Then you need to apply for the renunciation uh, certificate. That is okay, mandatory. Okay, so and to apply for renunciation certificate, I'm sure there is a fees. There's been a few changes in it, uh, uh, you know, in, in the past. What is the fees currently? So uh, um, the fees is in, in, you can say two steps. Like if you were naturalized before 1st June 19, uh, 2010, um, the renunciation fees is different. If you were um, naturalized after 1st June 2010, there's a different fees. So if you are applying um, with a passport and you've done your naturalization before June 1st, 2010, apparently it's $40.90. Um, but if you've done naturalized after 2010, um, there's a fees of $190.90. But um, VFS also charges a 3.5% fees on the online uh, payment. And normally we, do um, the online payment so that 3.5 percent fees also goes in otherwise you can always pay with um, money order as well okay all right that's good to know but that's quite a jump from almost like 40 dollars to 190 dollars right. that right. is cool. right. quite a jump right now, and um, and these fees yeah. is also uh, changes during time as well 
So maybe after six months, um, maybe the VFS increases the fees or something. So yeah. this is the fees which goes um, right now. Okay. And what about processing times? You know, I guess COVID has impacted processing times with almost every single thing. Has it impacted processing times of the renunciation certificate also? Um, in, seldom, in seldom cases, uh, we have seen where the consulate sometimes want more documentation or something just to have a proof. Um, then the processing time really goes up. But normally the processing time is between six to seven days. That's what they say. But apparently it does go about uh, two weeks, two and a half weeks or something to get the Okay, that's, that's not too bad. That's not it's, too bad. It's not too bad, yes. Yeah, and if you want to, you know, I would say always plan ahead. You know, I'm a planner, you know, always plan ahead. If you want to apply for that OCI people, apply for that renunciation certificate, first off. Like that's the first step. Okay, right. now right. Because, you want to travel, because if you want to travel to India, obviously yeah. if you've not done your renunciation, you don't have your OCI, and then you want to do everything last minute, it's going to take time. So if you want to travel sometime in December and you want everything to be done ASAP, sorry, the counselor doesn't work that way. So it's going to take time. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's good to know. Um, you know, one last question uh, really is away to you. What documents must be submitted? And I'm really scared of this, notarizing. <laughs> Do we need to submit notarized documents? Um, yes, Neha, there are so certain documents which do need to be notarized. Um, that's sometimes um, utility bills. So um, if a parent is uh, living with a child, obviously the utility bills are not going to be under their name. It's going to be their son, daughter, or uh, somebody else's name. So that document does need to be uh, notarized. And then we have to have an affidavit with the person where these, um, uh, this person who is applying lives there. Uh, so certain documents do need to be notarized. Um, again, um, with documentation, with renunciation, is that if you're applying renunciation without a passport, so if you've lost your Indian passport and you don't have that, then obviously uh, um, there are certain additional documents which we need to provide is the police report that you've lost your passport. Obviously you filed a police report with that. So that yeah. needs to be submitted. Then there has to be an affidavit of loss from your side explaining that how it was lost. So um, those are the documents um, if you are applying without a passport it is a must. Um, other than that, um, it's just all regular documents like address proof, your Indian passport, your nationalization certificate. If you've changed your name, then an affidavit of change, changing a name. Um, um, then if you, if you are applying without a passport, um, they also have to have a proof of your nationality that originally you were from, from India. So a yes. birth copy, your election card or voter ID from India or some document which shows a yes. proof that you've been an Indian um, origin. Thank you, Zoe. That was quite detailed. And just to remind our audience, we are live. You know, I'm sitting here in Edison, New Jersey. I'm joined by Zoe Mirza, our immigration lead from Atlanta. And Balveen Kaur is sitting in Cerritos, LA, our headquarters. Now, you know, a few questions are coming in, uh, Balveen, on OCI this time. Um, first question is from Ravindra, and he asks, I have a travel coming up to India in December. I have an OCI card that is linked to my old passport, which was lost. The OCI card is not linked to my new US passport. Will this cause any issue in entering India? Um, thank you, Neha. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. So um, 
of course, you don't have to renew your OCI or you are not required to update the OCI card when you get a new uh, US passport. However, um, you should carry um, the, the, the OCI, whatever OCI you have, even if it's with the prior passport, uh, with your current uh, US passport, and then try to get if copy of the lost passport of the US passport if you have. If not, then you'll be fine because the name and everything will match. I don't um, I don't see a problem, um, you know, that you don't have the old US passport and you're traveling uh, on the new US passport with the old OCI because OCI does not have an expiration. Um, okay. it's, um, yeah, but it's always a good thing to travel with both passports. If, if the previous one has expired and then you were issued OCI previous one uh, you can always uh, so there's a change uh, earlier the u.s passports had an actual visa page for oci now they don't so oh, it basically okay. does not require you to carry the old u.s passport right now you'll have two booklets basically u.s passport okay. and oci so it doesn't matter if the oci uh, if you don't have the old u.s passport yeah, coming to your early point where you mentioned OCIs do not expire, does it apply to minors as well? So there is a, okay, this is a, this is another tricky question, Neha, come on. Um, <laughs> so it, the, you do miscellaneous, you go on the VFS website, go under miscellaneous services, and then they'll ask you, okay, you're renewing, not renewing is not the right word, but whenever you have a new U.S. passport for minors who are under, um, 18, they have to get the OCI amended, basically, or added to the US passport. However, um, the news is now that VFS does not require that either. So uh, that was CKGS was doing that. So once you have your US passport expired and you're a minor, you have to get another OCI. And it's like the charges are barely minimum, you know, $25 or something. But the VFS does not require that. Um, I, I don't have um, experience myself on actually are they not renewing it because it's too new. Uh, VFS was, it's a recent transition. So, uh, but I've heard that too, uh, uh, Neha, that we don't really have to update, for, even if it's for minors. Okay, that's that's good news. Thanks uh, for dodging that question, Bobby. <laughs> yeah, but I would I would still do that, um, Neha. Update the website online, like update the consulate because for minors the picture changes. You know, yeah. under five years, imagine the baby got an OCI and right now you're five. It's like two different individuals. So yeah. I would okay. go online, let the Indian consulate know. Even if they don't issue us a new uh, booklet, it's yeah. all advisable to update the Indian consulate. That's some good piece of advice coming from Mulveen for uh, our immigration lead in uh, Senator's LA office. Um, Vidya is asking another question about OCI Mulveen. Uh, any insight into OCI card processing times and guidance on filing the application? I heard it is a nightmare. I'm torn between applying the 120 day, which is about four months of e-visa versus starting my OCI application. Would appreciate any recommendation. Um, so Neha, uh, again, I'm going to say I'm a, I'm a, a little fan of the VFS because I've seen uh, really bad processing with different, uh, the previous companies. I have seen OCI being approved myself with on my own cases, basically, that we filed for our clients within three weeks. 
So that's once your every document is in place, you've done your renunciation, your documents are in place, it's within three weeks they've actually received the OCI. However, again, I will stick to the timeline provided by VFS. That's five to six weeks. You know, at least five to six weeks. And then once it's approved, another two weeks. So I would say give or take two months. But yeah, it's not four anymore. Um, but I, I do let my clients know that, you know, just 90 days, just between you and me, I'll be like, you know what? Because we don't know what how the processing works, especially with COVID, every timeline. It's not just VFS, it's the USCIS, every timeline processing times have gone up. However, yes. VFS has maintained a good, uh, you know, processing times. Um, it's 90 days, give or take. Yes. Okay. Thank you. And we're running into the last five minutes of our discussion right now, Balveen. So I'm going to take this one last question. And I also want to reiterate a disclaimer that this is not legal advice. This is only for information purposes. If you have a question that you need us to you know, guide you or counsel you on, uh, send us your question, info at chug.com. That's our uh, email ID. Um, so Akanksha's question I'm going to take last. She says, I applied for OCI for my three-month-old son, but have not received it. Uh, it was acknowledged at New York Embassy on October 7th, and status is still under process. My ticket is for November 17th, and it cannot be changed. I am losing hope that OCI will arrive by then. We will be traveling back in February. What are my options now? You know, she's either thinking of um, traveling on e-visa now, but e-visa is for one month only. And her second option is what happens with OCI once I have traveled out of the States. Now, what do you think? So um, Neha, this is also a very common question. Um, so what happens is when you've submitted the OCI, uh, we always recommend do not do tickets. Okay, don't get tickets before you have the OCI in your hand. But okay, if she has the tickets, then she can, and it's an emergency, she can travel on e-visa, no problem. The OCI is still pending. So it stays consulate, it's pending, no problem. However, please note that when you enter India, the immigration office over, over there, the port of entry officer, can see that there is an OCI pending or you filed an OCI. Somehow their system, you know, once you scan the US passport, they know that the OCI is pending. They'll ask you, okay, what happened to the OCI? Where, what, where are you or where's the OCI? She can easily say that, you know, we don't have the OCI yet. It's still under processing. And then we are here for the the e-visa is only for six weeks so they have to have a return ticket you know um but i would i would still recommend not to travel unless you have an oci but if it's okay. an emergency, you know she can go i don't foresee a problem either but it's risky when it comes to kids um i don't want them the port of entry officer denying an entry saying you don't have an oci when it's pending we've not heard we've not seen it happen however it's possible. Yeah. So it's it's better to be err on the side of caution, right? Um, one last question because I see we still have a couple minutes left. Uh, Disha, you know, she has an issue going on with the Houston consulate and she's asking for your help, advice here. She's asking, um, uh, her situation is her son's OCI application reached VFS on October 13, but when she tried to track it using the reference number, it says they cannot detect the file. Now, what can be the reason for this and whom to contact if this is an, you know, if this continues to show? 
Um, sure, uh, Neha. So I would say is call or email VFS. They're pretty uh, fast with that. They're they're good. They return your um, emails within 24 hours and with a detailed answer. Uh, so far, it's worked for me. However, if the petition, um, the packet, sorry, is already delivered to the VFS, that means that everything's complete. They've paid and all that, and you have FedEx confirmation. Uh, they'll be able to find it. But if, if you're looking for an application ID and you've not submitted until, uh, like you've not submitted the actual application to VFS, of course, there's no way they can find it. So go ahead and complete the application again. Um, I, that's okay. Yeah, don't submit. Yeah, if you've not submitted the packet, you've not paid, then don't look for that. Uh, because I, as I told you in the beginning, there are two, two uh, like you have to complete the application on the Indian uh, website as well. So if that's lost, then just do it again and it's going to be faster. Sorry, Disha, there's no other way around this. <laughs> yeah. okay, thank you so much for answering all these questions in detail. Really, really thank you to you and my thank you to Zoe Mirza from our Atlanta office. Thank you ladies for joining us today and the audience, you know, if you need any kind of legal advice, any kind of legal counsel, please do not hesitate in reaching out to us, info at chook.com. My name is Neha Mahajan. I will see you next week and a big shout out to Francesca who's handling this all in the back end for us. Thank you, have a good day. Thanks for tuning in. For more information about our work, please visit our websites at www.chook.com for legal and immigration and www.chook.net for tax. Be sure to subscribe to get regular business insights from the Chook LLP team. 